Well, good morning, everyone. This is my first time at Pain Week. They assured me that there would be people at the 7 a.m. lecture. <laughs> I didn't believe it, so thank you so much for, for getting up. Or maybe you never went to sleep and you're just rolling in. I don't know. Uh, we have no disclosures. And our learning objectives today are to identify six core principles of acceptance and commitment therapy, describe two differences between unimodal care versus interdisciplinary care, and describe the level of evidence that supports exercise interventions for chronic pain and disability. So Corinne and I work at the Stanford Pain Management Center, and we are very fortunate to work with uh, a fantastic, with fantastic other providers, uh, some whom are here today. Thank you, ladies, for showing up. Um, we work with physicians, physician assistants, nurses, and then I'm part of the pain psychology team. Uh, Corinne is a part of the physical therapy team. And we really provide interdisciplinary care. We also have a pain medicine and a pain psychology fellowship. Working with pain, as you all know, uh, you need a team. <laughs> you need a really good team to help move people from being stuck with pain into being more actively engaged in their lives. So one of the things that we realized uh, when we were kind of working alone was that we were doing a lot of heavy lifting with our unimodal treatments or one treatment, so physical therapy alone, um, medications alone, or psychology alone. And we found that the patients would get a little bit better, but not quite make the improvements that we wanted to see. Um, so when we came together and started, the, the as the we got hired on in the multidisciplinary clinic, we found that it's really helpful to have different perspectives to really cover all of the pieces that the patients would need help with. So what Corinne and I started to notice was that many patients were very focused on the stick, and that would be getting rid of their pain. Pain was a strong motivator. And many of the treatments that they, medical treatments that they had received were also focused on the stick, reducing pain, eliminating pain. And these attempts to avoid and control pain were actually ending up being a problem in and of themselves. Um, Corinne and I taught a uh, cognitive behavioral therapy coping skills group with movement. And we started to see this trend where patients who were really, really motivated by the stick, like really focused on getting rid of that pain, their, their options in life just seemed to get smaller and smaller and smaller. So we took a step back and said, what could possibly be more motivating than the stick? And that's when we started to look at the carrot which I promise I'll tell you what that is in a moment. So what we noticed with, with our folks that we're working with in our clinic is they get stuck in these two vicious cycles. So the psychological cycle, you know, let's face it, living with pain is challenging. It sucks. Having something 24-7 that just kind of robs you of your life over and over and over, months after month after year after year, it just gets to people. So we see this vicious psychological cycle where their mood is affected. Over time, this could lead to depression and anxiety, certainly high levels of fear, but also just catastrophic thinking and frustration. And as this cycle continues, what happens is their perception of pain is actually increased. 
we know that these various mood factors influence how the brain processes pain. So that's the vicious um, psychological cycle. The physical cycle, well, if one has pain and it hurts to move, what do they do? They stop moving. And we know that that can lead to progressive deconditioning. And then when they say, you know what, that's it. I'm sick of giving up everything. I'm going to get back to it. And they start to move again. Then they've got their pain. Then they've got the deconditioning on top of it. And so this, this leads to further avoidance, deconditioning. And this vicious cycle just keeps going. So with the treatments that we provide, what we want to do is we want to change these vicious cycles into virtuous cycles. So when we, before we decided to start a new group or a new program, we, kind of, we wanted to look at their literature and see what other people had done. And what we found was that in other multidisciplinary pain programs, um, that m you found that multidisciplinary treatment was more effective than unimodal treatments um, for improving pain and disability, especially related to low back pain. Um, we also found that, um, that disability in the short term had a really difficult time improving uh, with just unimodal treatments, and that anxiety and depression were correlated with higher pain severity, higher pain disability, and actually predicted how the patient would do over time within these clinics. So we knew that we wanted to create a program that not only addressed the physical piece, but also the anxiety and depression and other things that come along with this. Um, so we modeled our program after an interdisciplinary inpatient program in Europe. Um, this is a five-day-a-week program that's for three to five weeks where people come into the hospital and they get psychological tre treatment, physical therapy treatment, meet with nurses, um, and they have really great data looking at pain and disability as well as pain-related anxiety reduced not only at three months but up to three years. So we wanted to model this new program after this program um, to really look at some long-term effective changes for our patients. So we started our program with a back pain group and we brought in psych and PT and we really wanted to create something that could be delivered realistically, an outpatient program, so something where you're not bringing people into the hospital and helping them day after day, but an outpatient-based program that's twice a week where patients could come in, they wouldn't have to stop their other life activities like work or if they have hobbies um, to really help them kind of build their life back up. So as Crin was mentioning, we didn't want to recreate the wheel, we just wanted to shape it a little bit. So. What we did was we put together um, an intensive outpatient program that combined you know, the psychology and, and the physical therapy, focusing on the carrot. So what we wanted to do was to ensure that um, all of the information that was provided in the groups was integrated across the different components of the program. So again, we truly wanted it to be this interdisciplinary collaborative approach. Um, versus, you know, Kren's going to do something and I'm not going to know what it is and then I'm doing something. So we really needed all the cooks in the kitchen working from the same recipe. So what that meant for us was that we needed to share the same language. We use the same metaphors we, and we reinforce the same behaviors. So Kren um, was gracious enough to attend some of the 
uh, we call acceptance and commitment therapy boot camp and some of the advanced ACT trainings. I will say she was the only physical therapist there, very brave, uh, because we really needed to be working from the same physiological or the same uh, philosophical standpoint to really make this different. So when we came together to decide what we we're going to put in this six-week program, uh, we found we put in the, the psychological therapy was going to be acceptance and commitment therapy based. Um, as Heather already mentioned, I had to I, I had the opportunity to attend <laughs> some trainings on what this meant, um, so that I could again reinforce all the messages that Heather was giving in the psych piece. Um, we also included pain neuroscience education. This is the concept that um, pain is always an output of the brain and. Um, can be based on not just internal signals, but the external environment, your past experiences, and so that hurt doesn't necessarily equal harm. This is a big message that we give to our patients um, with chronic pain, as well as values-based goal setting. Each patient in the group had an individual exercise program that was created by the physical therapist, um, and then they were taken through an aerobic graded exercise program based on their goals. So if it was walking, they were on the treadmill. If it was biking, they were on the bike. Um, and then they also participated in a group-based movement, um, and this was yoga-based, and this was to try to incorporate some of the mindfulness pieces that Heather's going to talk about later. So the program that we created were really the patient-chosen values. Values are the carrot. When you think about what is more important to you as a person than the pain, it always comes down to you know, what gets you out of bed in the morning. What do you really, truly care about? At the end of your life and you look back about how you showed up you know, for the, your family, for your friends, for yourself, what does that look like? So we're really trying to shift people away from the carrot, or excuse me, away from the stick and get them more connected with the carrot. And so everything in the program, all the goals, that were set, were set by the patients. And it was in line with what was important to them. And so this is a, a little bit of a shift from a lot of programs, certainly from the physical therapy aspect where you know, you, they want you to do so many repetitions and this and that. And, and so this was, this was a kind of a radical shift from that of getting um, everybody on the same page based off of what the patient says, this is what's important to me. So each um, session, these were twice a week, looked like this. It was stacked with, they were in the gym for one hour doing their exercises or their aerobic program. Um, they would be in pain psych for one hour um, with Heather. And they would do group movement for one hour. And then they would practice their mindfulness and then goal setting for an hour. So it's four hours twice a week. And this sounds intense, but surprisingly, by the end, the patients were not wanting to finish group. They wanted to keep coming back, so they could do it. It's an interesting shift. Week one, they're like, this is six weeks, and it's eight hours a week, I can't do it. And then by week five, they're freaking out because it's going to be ending soon. <laughs> it's very interesting. So just a kind of broad uh, summary. We want to help move patients toward their chosen values and accept the difficulties that come along with doing so. Barriers, well, the stick. <laughs> They're so used to avoiding anything that increases the pain or could potentially cause pain. 
Um, or even when I say experiential avoidance, this would be avoidance of anything internal. So it could be fear, anxiety, sadness, frustration, anything that the person is experiencing, of course, in addition to pain. And then cognitive fusion, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. And we're trying to really shift them from the content of their experience. So content of their internal thoughts, feelings, urges, sensations, and move them into the context of experience. How is all of that affecting how you show up and what you do right here, right now? So this is a very busy slide, but it is one of my favorites, so I had to put this in here. What we're really doing is, through the different concepts that we're using is we're, we're trying to move patients towards psychological flexibility. So this is the opposite of them being inflexible. And the way that we do this are through these various um, components of the hexaflex, which I'm going to go into a little bit more detail in a moment. But you can see, you know, being present is the opposite of being stuck in the past or being worried about the future. Or getting connected with your values is the opposite of having this lack of direction, not really knowing where you're going. Committed action would be the opposite of being stuck or doing nothing. Self as context the opposite of self as content. So understanding that you are with yourself along the way and that you have many, many experiences that you can draw from. You're not everything that you think you are. You're even more than that. Diffusion is when we get caught up in our thoughts. And again, I'm going to go over that in a second. And then acceptance, the opposite of avoidance. So when patients start the program, the first thing we work with them on is their willingness. So we'll start off saying, you know, belief that this will help is not required, but willingness to show up is. So from, from day one, we're setting the stage, hey, you don't have to get how this is going to help. Totally fine with that. But you do need to show up, and you need to participate. That's the most important thing. So having them recognize, oh, I'm choosing to show up to do this. Like, this is my choice. I don't have to do this. I'm not required to do this. There's no coercion or manipulation on our part, even though it gets really tricky at times <laughs> and tempting. And we start to shift how they think about their pain. So we'll start off with some different experiential exercises so they can start to identify the attempts that they've made to control and eliminate their pain over time have actually become part of the problem. Patients don't, they don't know this. They don't. They've been told by folks like myself and Corinne and physicians and family members to do all these things, so it makes sense. But being so focused on the stick over time actually becomes part of the problem. We call this the control agenda. And there's different exercises that we do with them to help them recognize this using their own information and helping them to make that conclusion. Again, I'm leading them, but this is something that they come to on their own. This is actually a, an incredibly powerful moment in the group where patients are confused and a little bit devastated to recognize that, oh my gosh, all the attempts that I've made have actually made my quality of life smaller. And so it has to be addressed very compassionately. And this isn't to point out like what you've done is wrong or this doesn't make sense. It's like that makes perfect sense. 
but it's not working? Are you willing to try something different? So setting the stage for change. I think um, this is an important, this is definitely an important moment in the group. Um, people don't realize that they've given up a lot of their life to control their pain. So maybe all of their activities, maybe they're not leaving the house anymore. And that's usually when I'm seeing them because they're going to physical therapy so they can leave the house. Um, but <laughs> but uh, this is where we can start to make that shift of if leaving the house, has that really helped you in your life and your happiness and, your, and the things you enjoy? And that's when they realize like, wow, it's not helping me and my pain's still here. So if that was helpful for reducing their pain long term, um, then maybe they would think about that differently. Absolutely. So one of the questions is, are you willing to experience pain, anxiety, fear, and sadness in the pursuit of engaging fully in your life? Now, they don't believe that this can actually happen, and that's okay, because that's why I'm there. But we're starting to challenge some of those beliefs that I can't do this until my pain is gone. I can't go back to work until my pain is gone. I can't fully enjoy my life until my pain is gone. I'm like, well, I'm not really sold on that. Are you willing to experience some of these things to really fully, fully, vitally engage in your life? So this, this is what we spend the first couple of weeks on is just, are you willing? Um, we do explore the difference between pain and suffering um, and that there's choice in behaviors. So we actually change our language around how we're talking to patients um, so that they can start to recognize behavior is a choice, period. It's a choice. And there's no right or wrong choice, but it's still a choice that they're making. This was a big shift for physical therapists. If there's any physical therapists in the room, usually people come in, I'm like, oh, you gotta go do your exercises, you gotta go do this, I'm in charge. And now I had to uh, switch my uh, language to, are you willing to get on the treadmill for me today for 10 minutes as we warm up and get you going? So um, we would definitely use this language in the gym as well. They would come back to the group and like, Corinne asked me if I was willing. I'm like, she's so good. <laughs> she's so good. <laughs> So we use a lot of different metaphors um, within ACT because we're trying to get people away from all the, the rules they have, language-based rules that they have around their pain. And one of the metaphors that we use is the, the pain monster. So people usually relate to this pretty strongly. So imagine that obviously the monster is your pain and that you're in a struggle because what your goal in life to do is to pull this monster into here so it's gone, it's dead. So all the attempts that you make to control, reduce, eliminate your pain, it's tugging on the rope. And so I'll list all of the things that people have done to try to control the, the monster on the board. And eventually, it takes a while, um, I'm like, how are we gonna beat the monster? Well, I'm gonna try another injection. I'm like, okay, but the first four didn't work. Well, I'm gonna go to another doctor. Well, the first 10 didn't help, so, you know, kind of, Help, walking them through this, and eventually someone will say, well, you win by dropping the rope, which cognitively that sounds great, but then my next question is, well, what does that look like for you? They have no idea. That's why they're in the group, right? But we're starting to change the way they think about their pain, trying to change the way they, they respond to dealing with their pain so that when they drop the rope, the pain monster is free to move around and follow them and go with them wherever they go. It's not gone, but they're not so caught up in this struggle where all of their energy is focused on the stick. 
Um, this has been a very helpful concept for me when I'm working with people that have trouble sitting in class, like in class or in lectures, and they're like focused on I have to change my position or I have to do this to get the pain to go away. And this concept was very helpful for, to like, well, you're telling me you want to focus on the lecture and the content and you want to learn, uh, and but you're so f bringing your attention to controlling the pain um, that you're not able to do that. So this kind of helps. That's an analogy that I've used for mm -hmm. some people with with this problem. You know, and, and we all know like what we resist persists and that's what's happening. The more you get stuck in this, the more you're tugging and pulling and leaning and striving, the more focus you're actually giving it, which is interesting because the whole goal was to get rid of it. So values, yay the carrot. So getting people connected to, you know, what do you want your life to stand for? How do you want to behave? What sort of person do you want to be? What sort of strengths and qualities do you want to develop? This is really what the carrot is. Some people have been so in, in their struggle with pain for so long that they've forgotten what they're actually fighting for. It's not just to get rid of pain. It's what would you do if you had less pain? How would you be spending your time? Well, how would you show up in your relationships? Like, what are you fighting for? So we get them reoriented to what that is. And I'll tell you that most people that come in, they have absolutely no idea what their values are. They know what their goals are. So goals are accomplishments, things that you can tick off along the way. But your values are that driving force behind it. Why is that so deeply meaningful to you? Those are your values. It's like a compass. It lets you know what direction you're going in. And your goals are things that you tick off along the way. But your values are incredibly powerful. So we'll do exercises like write your own obituary. And, you know, your 80th birthday. What does that look like? And so it just helps people get connected to what is deeply meaningful to them. Because I can tell you, what we've found is that the only thing that is more powerful than the stick is the carrot. And getting people connected to what that actually is can be just, well, it is. It's been absolutely life-changing for the patients that we're working with. And that's not to say it's, it's easy uh, because they're, they're so caught up in how they think about their pain and the rules that they've set forth about their pain um, and that anxiety is bad and fear is bad. So we have a lot of things that we need to uh, move them through. Um, but I think getting them connected to their values is incredibly powerful. So what this looks like in the gym is um, there was to be someone, they know their goal is they want to get off and on and off the floor, so that's their exercise. Um, and then I went around and asked them, like, well, why do you want to get on and off the floor? You could have somebody else, like, help you off the floor. And like, well, my value is I want to be independent and take care of myself, and I want to have that as my life. Um, someone else might say, well, my value is I want to be a good family member, and I have grandkids, so I want to get on and off the floor. So they're coming up with these answers on their own. Um, I'm just designing the exercise to hit the goal along the way. Yeah. And I think once they get connected with their values, they're, start, they're able to recognize that avoiding things in life that might increase pain that are really important to you or to them, actually increases their suffering. And, and they hadn't really put that together, that when you eliminate all these things that bring meaning to your life, because it probably or potentially could increase your pain, the emotional suffering that goes along with that, it can be quite catastrophic. 
This is probably where we spend most of our time as well. Um, being fused with your thoughts. So, you know, our brain is this beautiful problem-solving machine. And if the computer broke, there's probably, I don't know, almost everybody in here could give us some ideas of how to fix this, right? We're good at problem-solving for external issues. But problem-solving with our internal stuff, not so helpful. So people become very fused with the thoughts that they have about their pain. They come up with these very rigid rules um, and reasons as to why they can or can't do something. And if that is left unchallenged, then they will actually never try something new. I see this a lot with patients that have had back surgery, and they come in, they're like, I can't lift more than blah, blah pounds. I'm like, you can't or you choose not to? No, I can't. I'm like, so if someone came in here with a gun to your head, you actually could, well, of course I could. I'm like, so you choose not to due to these different thoughts that you have about it. So it's like shifting, shifting how they think about their pain and the language they use. And what we're trying to do is help them recognize, look, your thoughts are just your thoughts. They're not facts. In CBT, we would catch it, check it, change it, we'd restructure it. In ACT, I don't really, I'm not so concerned what the content of their thoughts are. I'm more concerned of how those thoughts are affecting their behavior right here, right now. So we're, get, we're doing different exercises to uh, what we call diffusion. If you imagine like two pieces of metal that are fused together, you can't see between them. We're doing exercises to get them some emotional distance so they can see their thoughts, not be looking through their thoughts. And it allows some space for change. So questions we'll ask them is, are your thoughts busy, racing, repetitive, or confusing? Your thoughts old, familiar, stale, or lifeless? Are you doing a lot of comparing or evaluating? Or are you stuck in other times, past or present? So if the answer to that is yes, then you are probably fused with a thought. And we do a lot of mindfulness as well, helping people um, get connected with the present. I think when it comes to having pain, pe people are avoid, they're so avoidant of being in their bodies. So it hurts. And so they use a lot of distraction, and I think it's hard to be present with things that we don't want. So we do a lot of experiential exercises around mindfulness, around diffusion, uh, to help people get connected with being in the moment even the moments that they maybe wish were different. So I think that can be pretty challenging for folks. It's hard to, to sit in something that they've been very afraid of. Um, I know there's that we also use um, the yoga as a big piece for the mindfulness mm -hmm. pieces, being present um, as well as not responding necessarily if they're feeling a sensation. Um, and that there is research that supports that mindfulness does help um, reduce someone's pain, suffering around their pain. So that's good. So when you think about our program, you can kind of distill it down to this. There's knowing with the mind, right, that, that problem-solving machine called our brain, um, knowing through our thoughts and our memories, but then there's knowing through our experience. So we're trying to get people connected with their experience, not their thoughts. So we have the experiential pieces that we do. We use a lot of the metaphors. Uh, Corinne's having them do the mindfulness, the diffusion exercises um, in the gym. 
she'll ask them, well, what passengers are showing up on the bus today? And passengers are like thoughts, feelings, memories that are painful, that bully us and push us around, veer us off our valued path. So she's actually reminding them when they're in the gym and making a choice to maybe not do an exercise of what is actually driving that. So literally infusing all aspects of the program across the different modalities. And committed action, that's essentially goal setting. Uh, what small step will you take toward your chosen value today? So making sure that they recognize that their behavior, their behaviors can be in line with their values. Because then when their behaviors are not in line with their values, they recognize that's avoidance. They may still choose to do it because, you know, they're adults and they're allowed to, but it, we want conscious choice, consciously showing up and making decisions about how, what you're going to do in that moment. And so our program really is about choice. Patients can choose to, you know, go down that same road that they've been on. They can or they can make some choices around change, and we're there to help. So now that you've heard a little bit about what our program has in it, we also have our results from our program. Um, so our patients that were in our group were primarily low back pain, and they only reasons to not include them is if they had um, Cauda syndrome or spinal cord injury. So we took everyone. Um, and the other thing that they had to do to be included in our group was they had to have already failed a treatment. So we chose physical therapy. So someone's already been to physical therapy. They said, this didn't work for me. Um, these were people that are still seeking care after physical therapy treatments. Um, we had 18 that have completed our group so far. Um, and we actually are up to 24 now. But when this presentation was made. And our spectrum was ages from 33 to 80. Um, so we treat adults at our pain clinic, and um, the average age of that was 56. Um, they had back pain for up to 18 years, and we, another criteria was they had to have back pain for at least one year. Um, and no patients were working when they started our group. Uh, we used the Roland Morris Disability Questionnaire, and the average, uh, their average scores when they started was a 12. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about what the, those questionnaires are. So our outcomes. Just one thing to add with that. Um, we wanted to have full accessibility uh, for our group. So we allowed any physicians, uh, physicians, physical therapists, psychologists, to refer to the group so they did not have to have a psychology screening or a physical, physical therapy evaluation before entering into the program, um, <clears throat> which we had some interesting results with that as well. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so we used the Roland Morris Disability Questionnaire and then the Chronic Pain Acceptance Questionnaire as our primary outcomes. Disability for the Roland Morris is from 0 to 24, which is 0 is no disability and 24 is severe disability. Um, questions on the Roland Morris are like, because of my back, I need help to get out of a chair, or because of my back, I sleep worse, um, uh, or because of my back, I don't do my hobbies anymore. So those are the questions on that. And then the chronic pain acceptance questionnaire has, um, is a psychological measure, and it's made up of two subscales, uh, pain willingness 
which is your willingness to experience pain, um, which you can imagine most people are low on, and um, activity engagement, which means I'm doing my activities despite my pain, um, which most people actually come in a little higher on. Um, and then secondary measures, we also measured catastrophizing uh, pain levels, and then some objective physical function measures, um, like lifting and walking distance. Um, so our changes in acceptance, um, so this graph has pre-treatment, so before the group, at the end of the group at six weeks, and then three-month follow-up after they finished the group. Um, and you can see that acceptance, um, so zero is low, and 120 is the max score, so higher is better for acceptance. Um, so most of the group, the average started at 48, and they had over um, 20 points, so it's a 25-point increase. Uh, at week six, and then at three months, it was really nice to see they actually maintained their scores around 73, like a drop of one point. Um, and I'm going to compare this to some of the other research uh, a little bit later, but this was a great change. Um, 20, 20 points was a huge, huge improvement. Um, so disability, um, which is what the physical therapists are most interested in, I'm sure, um, was started at a 12. Um, there was a study done with like a, I think over a few thousand patients and for, with chronic back pain, and they came in an average around a 12. So this is an average number for someone to have with chronic back pain. Um, and they reduced to seven, um, which is a 40% reduction in disability at six weeks. And then they continue reducing um, their score to a five at three-month follow-up. Um, in comparison, there was a big study done with yoga versus PT um, that was published last year, and they had about a three-point change with one treatment, yoga or physical therapy. So again, these unimodal treatments, they're helpful, but um, the interdisciplinary treatments seem to be more effective with chronic pain. So in comparison to that first study, I mentioned the inpatient one in London, where they come in five days a week to the hospital. Um, then get 97 to 130 hours of care. Uh, we have a 48-hour outpatient program that's delivered twice a week. So you can see there's a big difference in the amount of hours of treatment that these people are receiving. Um, King's College has over 120 in their study that they finished now, so it's a little bit bigger. But these are our acceptance scores um, of Stanford, which is where we are, is blue, and then King's College in Europe is green. So you can see that the groups are starting around the same level, around 48 to 50 on their acceptance, and increasing about 20 point, more than 20 points, 73, 76 in the middle after treatment. And then at three-month follow-up, acceptance scores are staying high after this um, PT and psych intervention. So I think it's important to note that at three months, they're still doing well at changing their, um, when you think of acceptance, their willingness and their activity engagement, those psychological measures are staying strong. Um, I will say that for our group, all participants completed more than 75% of the program, so there weren't a lot of missed days. I think this is very helpful when you're talking about all the things that Heather mentioned, the concepts. If you miss a lot of days, you're not going to get all those concepts down. Um, and that we overall had statistically significant improvements with disability, so over 40% change acceptance, and in pain scores. However, it was... 6.1 to 4.2, so it wasn't clinically significant for pain scores. Almost, Almost. so close. Um, so 
before, so I'm going to shift a little bit. We also have other groups at our clinic. So we have CBT groups. Um, we have CBT groups with movement. And so we, we measure their acceptance in these groups as well. And I think this is important information because it really shows how perhaps these uh, psychological treatments are different. Um, so you can see on the far right, this is our CBT group. And pre and post group, um, they have a four-point change in acceptance. So this construct isn't really changing with the CBT interventions. You can see with movement um, added in, so some physical therapy, they have a 12-point change in acceptance. And then we also have an ACT group, so it's just acceptance commitment therapy, and they have a 23-point change in acceptance. So you can see that there's something that's happening in this group um, in this this measure uh, that's different. And then this is our group, which is the PT and psych group, which is a 25-point change there. And you can see our, our numbers are, are still small, but it's nice to see across the board how this looks for the chronic pain acceptance questionnaire. Oh, I did say we, men we measured catastrophizing. <laughs> so um, you can see this little line. Uh, this is the cutoff score for catastrophizing. So that's 30. And you can see that pre-group, um, everybody that we're getting is subclinical um, for catastrophizing. So despite um, them having very high activity avoidance um, and they're not doing living their lives well, their catastrophizing starts low. Um, I will say with almost all the groups, though, catastrophizing decreased about five to six points. Again, um, still subclinical there. Um, so we did run a... So I think this is an interesting point because the catastrophizing has been shown to like really predict pain intensity. I'm not sure how good it is predicting disability, and that's what my next slide shows, was that we ran some correlations on our really small uh, group, and we found that at, pre and at baseline there were no correlations. Um, but after uh, they finished the group, high acceptance scores were moderately correlated with lower disability um, and lower catastrophizing and that pain intensity was still correlated with high pain catastrophizing. So this um, is really shown by the research that high pain catastrophizing and pain intensity are pretty well tied together. Um, but some of the other research is looking at acceptance and disability as being a little bit more uh, correlated. So. so we asked patients <clears throat> to provide feedback for other patients who might be thinking about taking a group like our backs in action group. Um, and I thought their feedback was uh, really powerful. Uh, the combination of physical therapy, mindfulness and willingness exercises, intertwining our physical and mental health to our values was much more helpful than any singular approach to pain management, which goes back to our whole point of why we developed these groups, because the unimodal treatments just weren't weren't as successful as we would have liked them to be. Uh, this has changed how I view pain, react to pain, and slow my body's reaction to the onset delivery of pain. And then we asked them what feedback they'd like to give to their doctors. Um, recommend to patients who do not find relief with medications. This is one of my favorites. This should be the first, one of the first treatments you send a patient to. I highly agree with that. I did not write it. I just agree with it. Um, give this a chance. It's not your everyday pain class or physical therapy. So we hope that you will leave today's lecture being a little more focused on the carrot and maybe less focused on the stick. And we really appreciate you getting up bright and early and attending our talk. So thank you so much. <laughs>